0: Challenger disaster of a TV show uh, My name is Doug With me, as always, is Brian Brian, how are you doing tonight?
1: Okay <laughs> So th- another another fun intro Just, just okay? Yeah
0: you, knew, uh, you know why they knew that the uh, astronauts On that um, space shuttle Had dandruff, right?
1: No, don't do it <laughs> because... We're not making Challenger jokes on here Jesus Christ, there's nothing sacred Too
0: soon yeah. Uh, they found their head and shoulders on the beach. Anyway, uh, welcome, guys. Uh, we are here recapping episode three of season three of uh, a Game of Thrones, uh, entitled Walk of Punishment. Uh, and I got to tell you, I kind of enjoyed this episode, Brian. I thought it was kind of a stinker. Wow. Oh, uh, wow. Look at this. <clears throat> yeah. De- derisive. Um, I will say that some of... Um, some of it was overlong and boring. Um, it was meandering. Uh, but some of it was genuinely enjoyable as just TV. And I feel like they, they played a little bit loose in a good way. Um, and I'll, I'll point that out as we go on. Uh, why, did yeah, you, why did you think it was a stinker?
1: I thought there were some interesting scenes, but I didn't think that it really moved the plot along that much. Absolutely not. Uh, no, there was a lot of rapey stuff in this one. Um, Multiple. Yeah, so I mean, if you kind of, uh, some of it was it was enjoyable, a lot of the scenes, but it really just didn't, it's kind of no point to a lot of it. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I just wanted, you know, I'd like more action in it or what, I don't know. It just, more it was, like you more said it was consequence. Yeah, exactly. I
0: mean, well, mm-hmm. we had the big moment of consequence there at the end, but uh, I, I feel you. Yeah. So. Right, so let's just jump right in. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Sure. All right, so we open with a uh, Viking funeral for Catelyn's daddy and uh, he's the lord of Riverrun, so it's a big deal. So Rob, Talisa, Cat, and her brother and uncle are all gathered at a dock to send away uh, the old man's corpse floating down the river on a boat, and Cat's brother uh, is responsible for setting it on fire with a flaming arrow being shot at the boat. I guess, you know, it's a romantic or uh, traditional thing for this to happen. Anyway, Edmund, her brother, uh, can't get her done so, his and cat's uncle um understanding how difficult this task was, gently asked him if he could take the shot for him uh and he's a s- successful doing so um and uh, the canoe catches on fire uh old man goes down the river on fire, I guess um back at River run, Edmund is uh ridiculed uh for not knowing Rob's plan, i guess to draw the mountain out and attacking him. Um, after Rob said to just be patient, um, in addition to not capturing the mountain, Rob is pissed that uh, of about all the casualties lost in the battle, saying that they need their men more than Tywin needs his. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Through the whole thing, uh, Edmund's set up to look like a dunce.
1: Is it Edmund or Ed Muir? Uh Edmund Muir. Edmund Muir. Okay. So, so, like the the begin <laughs> the first scene illustrated illustrates what the the issue i had with the episode where it was kind of neat and it was funny but um what was the point like, what was the point of that that of edmure or edmund not being able to shoot the arrow it's Edmure. Correctly? i was an idiot yeah uh so <laughs> just to show that he's incompetent i don't know um and i don't think that uh the, what edmure had did in chasing off clegane I don't think they really make it clear the consequences of this. I mean this this shifts the, the, the tide of the war because, in theory, the Lannisters would have continued to chase Rob, and then been isolated and then not been able to return back to, to right. King's Landing in time to save King's Landing. And Robert Baratheon – or not Robert, but uh, Stannis Baratheon would likely – or would have King's Landing at this point, and this idiot didn't fuck up. Um, and, and, and now – and. After doing that, in order to kind of say we, you know, well, I still got these dumb kids, but the kids are worthless uh, in comparison to the stakes of the thing. So I don't think they conveyed that very well in the show. Absolutely either.
0: they didn't, and it just it it. And this is my problem with this scene is it makes uh, the blackfish look like an asshole. Um, this guy too, I imagine this mill is either on his land or one of his vassals' land. So it's yeah. not like you're at like it's not. Uh, you know, unforeseen for a guy to protect his own land, like get off my land. Um I feel like it's just bad management on Rob's part for not sharing with his the rest of his management team what the overall goal is here. Um right. So I feel like they're just dumping on Ed Muir um for no reason. Um and it just comes off as bullying. And yeah the I feel like well, it's Well I don't probably-
1: know that they're they're he didn't follow rules. I mean, he didn't follow his orders. Well, he said just you be know, patient. I just it's, yeah. You can just
0: say, "Hey, just be patient." That's 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 not enough. I, yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a lord and I have vassals. Uh, you know, I have a lot of people in charge uh, that I'm in charge of. And well, now you're uh, reading
1: something into that's not necessarily there. I, I mean, we don't uh, know that this, that this mill was on his land or any of that. I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm we willing know. to
0: say it's in the Riverland somewhere, and this guy is. Look. The I'm, uh, River Run is in charge of all the Riverlands, so I'm fairly confident saying that. Um, I, I will say that, um, yes, it is a fuck-up, but I think absolutely the show did a terrible uh, job of illustrating um, how bad of a fuck-up. They're just, they're just dumping this, this all on us right now.
1: Yeah, because Rob was winning, uh, or at least recently. We thought that he was in right. a good position to win, and then now all of a sudden... The, the war appears to be lost based on what they're saying in the scene. Right. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So next we go to a small council meeting and these uh, awkward entrance by the small council members. They kind of uh, jockey for position to be near Tywin. See Littlefinger. little um, finger in the, the, after the, the episode explanation, the writers put a great deal of uh, thought into apparently who sits where. So you see uh little finger go try to sit near Tywin. He's the most ambitious Varys kind of rolls his eyes at the uh, Naked Ambition, and then uh, Pycelle doesn't want to get in the middle of it, of course, because he's just trying to hang on. He's a survivor. Cersei comes in and changes the whole game by moving the chair, and then Tyrion basically mocks the entire game by dragging the chair very slowly and loudly, um, which was a pretty funny scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Tywin is uh, very upset. And he's upset that the that they are, have not been able to locate Jamie, uh, despite having um, basically every spy in Westeros. They also uh know that Rob is in the Riverlands and that Roos is in hall which we know that heron Hall should actually be Littlefinger's, but um what is critical about Littlefinger being the lord of hall is that he's in a position to marry Lysa Aaron, who's in charge of the Vale. And we, of course, met that uh, crazy lady in the Idiot Titsucker a few episodes ago or earlier last season. Yep. They decide to send Baelish to marry Lysa because she uh, likes him very weirdly. Uh, sibling jealousy kind of thing, I think. And they also assigned Tyrion to be the new master of the coin, which he thinks will be a challenge that Cersei believes he's no doubt up to.
0: And everybody, seems, uh, everybody who hates Tyrion seems delighted that he has this position alluding to the fact that it must be a real shit job. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm I'm not Uh, entirely sure. Me neither. I don't know. (laughs) It seems like a a place of importance, and you could probably get rich by siphoning off things or, you know, I mean, being corrupt, and it's not like, uh, you know, I mean, uh, not to say that I would do this, but in, you know, when in Rome, uh, everybody there is corrupt anyway, so it doesn't seem like a terrible job or like a job that lacks prestige, so. uh, I don't
1: get it. Yeah, I don't don't get it 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 either. No, yeah, but the message is clear, though. So. Right,
0: it's obvious that this is what we're supposed to take from the scene. But um, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. After you said that in the first episode or the first scene with uh, Edmure and the Blackfish, uh, this is another one of those scenes where I feel like um, it's just these was, like cute, the yeah, cute little scenes that have like a little that are playful, um, semi comedic. Um, and but you're right are pretty at the end of the day inconsequential, um, and I did look it up because after I had this thought while you were talking, I looked it up and uh, Weiss and Benioff not only wrote this episode but also directed it. So yes, they were probably on some happy sauce or something, and they decided to because you'll, we'll see this time and time again these little like uh, non sequitur uh, moments or interactions with people that are. I would say character developing and they're usually lighthearted or trying to be comedic. Like we get it with Arya later in hot pie. There's all sort; It's littered through this whole episode. Uh, yeah. Talisa, right.
1: and the, the dungeon. Yeah. Right. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely.
0: It's, it's absolutely inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But I, uh, uh, we'll get to it when we get to the wrap up, but uh, I see it now uh, more than ever. So that's great. Uh, not much else to say about this besides I did kind of enjoy the small council, everybody take a seat thing.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, The see, these scenes were enjoyable, I thought, but in, just in reflection of not moving forward enough in the show. And then also just the, again, the amount of uh, near rapes in the episode, uh, I, I just didn't care for that. So, well, we'll count, so them, down. We gonna...
0: we'll count them down <laughs> when we get to them. But, all yes, right. Next, we go to um, the Bolton men who captured Jamie and Brianne in last episode. Uh, they're marching down the road uh, singing the only other song that exists in this world, The Bear and the Maiden Fair. And Jamie and Brienne are arguing about who got the better uh, of who in the fight that they just had. I guess having this discussion for all the nerds that asked that question, like who would win in the fight. Um, anyway, Jamie, out of nowhere, uh, gets some empathy and tries to instructs Brienne about what's going to happen her and how she's uh probably going to get raped because in this world uh all soldiers are rapists. Uh and Brienne seems like she doesn't need the advice or she'll just be fine but uh this is basically the beginning uh of Jamie trying to be a better person if the show gave a shit about Jamie's redemption arc which it doesn't.
1: Right. And he kind of has the uh Bobby Knight advice about being raped or if it's going to happen you might as well enjoy it.
0: <laughs> Is that what Bobby Knight says to his basketball? Yeah, He said
1: something to that He said no, he said something to that effect a long time ago. <laughs> but, oh, was
0: it in was it in regard to rape or was it to was it in regard to No, it was in regards basketball? to specifically no, to rape. What? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll have to look that up, but that's yeah. that's that's disturbing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I I guess like if I'm in the middle of being I, I don't I don't know how that's No, that's terrible advice. Here we go. A 1988
1: interview that he gave, he said that rape victims should relax and enjoy it.
0: (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. That is awful. Uh, Yeah, but he's a
1: good coach, though. Well, if he wins the championships, I mean... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
0: All right, so So, where do we go next?
1: So next we go to Gendry, and he's helping uh, uh, Beric suit up outside an inn. And apparently this is the inn where uh, the initial rift between the Lannisters and the Stark started where uh, involved where Micah the Butcher's Boy was run down. So it becomes clear to us that Arya is being held hostage by the Doctors Without Borders and she's not happy about it. Uh, she begins to wander around the inn and sees the Hound talking trash to the Doctors Without Borders and the Hound is put into a cart to be transported away. Um, Hot Pie emerges from the inn and says that he is going to stay. And he made a wolf loaf for Arya. They say some goodbyes, and uh, the Doctors Without Borders are off to parts unknown. Again, not a whole lot happening in this scene. No, I mean
0: the big, the most uh, consequential thing is that Hot Pie is leaving the group, which is consequential. Yes, who gives a yeah. shit? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's another weird non sequitur with the whole wolf bread thing um all show invention all weird um but ultimately light-hearted and meant to be comedic uh and yeah, I, I mean it's, I it's kind of enjoyed scene.
1: it you know what i mean it's a several minute, minute scene where the entire point is that hey they're gonna hang on to Arya now and that's the only real like information we get as far as the larger plot yeah but you gotta scene.
0: enjoy the ride you know the destiny yeah, no, I, the I, I, is the a, destination I
1: agree. Yeah, you're
0: right. I guess, but you're you, you, I I would normally be right, and I would normally allow uh, or concede that. Or actually, it's my point, so I couldn't concede it. But anyway, I would agree with you. But you're right. It's it's a series of inconsequential scenes where yeah. nothing really happens. So I'm starting to see your viewpoint, and I'm glad you're starting to see mine. So that's great. Uh, next, we go to uh, Catelyn and the Blackfish, basically reminiscing about uh, her dad slash his brother, um, Lord Tully. Uh, do you know what the guy's first name was? Can't Hoster. Remember. Yeah, well, how could I forget that? Uh, Hoster or Hoster Tully. Uh, anyway, they talk about how the blackfish was the quote-unquote black sheep of the family. Um, and that's a funny joke to call him a blackfish. Uh, she also talks about sitting at the same balcony, staring out, uh, waiting for her dad to return from a battle or from some political um, you know, business trip. Um, and then she starts to feel guilty that she wonders about her own children staring off, waiting for their mom to return. And she didn't before their uh, and disappeared, I guess is the last time, last thing we've, we heard because she doesn't think they're dead, which is, I right. remember we talked about that last episode. Yep. Uh, so that's weird. But anyway, uh, she's having a guilt trip and, uh, Blackfish is consoling her.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about the scene. Kind of mopey. Right. Again, character development uh, and all stuff we knew. And in fact, we've I think we've had scenes more or less about this all these things before. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. I just think it's it's further uh, the
0: the most interesting part of this scene for me is fleshing out the blackfish, who in the book I like, and who in the show has gotten the nickname um, uh, douchefish because he's such <laughs> an asshole. Um, that's not my. Um, a nomenclature for this guy other people have referred to him as that because he's such a like uh, once again it's the showrunners uh, as much as i'll applaud him for making this show kind of in- enjoyable with all these little non sequiturs uh their version of cool what they think of as cool is an asshole uh, and that's exactly what the blackfish is um in the book uh the blackfish uh his rift with uh his brother hoster or hoster Um, is because he won't accept any marriage proposals that uh, his brother makes for him. Uh, And that has led some book readers to theorize that he is gay. Um, And, you know, he's a badass as well, so it's it's kind of one of these characters that people hold up and are, you know, one of their favorite characters for that. Um, But we don't get nearly as much development here. Once again, uh, he's not gay, he's not straight, he's just an asshole. uh, But somehow he's has a soft spot for Catelyn, but not her brother
1: <laughs> well i think her brother's a fuck up i mean yeah we don't know- i
0: know but like you know it's but-
1: you know what yeah, the best- used to be that angry in, th- in this episode i think you know
0: what the best way to handle a fuck up is ridicule him exactly <laughs> i guess yeah. who cares yeah. but yeah not so- much happens here you're absolutely right another scene where nothing happens Hey, guess what
1: happens in the next scene? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. So. Spoiler
0: alert. By the <laughs> way, there we will th- be
1: spoilers. Yeah. So next we go to read the man- rando Lannisters that were captured. Uh, Lisa, Lisa is providing them aid. Uh, Kid asks dumb questions about whether Rob is actually a wolf and feasts on his enemies, which she jokes about. Um, so he can introduce these random douchebags, and that's kind of the extent of the scene.
0: Yeah, but did you notice who Martin Lannister was? no Tom and Baratheon was it yep
1: but it's not actually Tommen though it's no just not
0: in the not in the show but like the same actor who's playing Martin Lannister they said you know what that kid did a good job let's invite him back next year to be a very important character <laughs> I didn't even notice that yeah cause... man like I I remembered like I I it wasn't in the forefront but watching it, I was like, "Oh, that kid looks very... Oh, that's fucking Tommen. Oh, yeah, uh, somebody did yeah. mention this. Another, uh, you know, several smarter people pointed this out. I'm just regurgitating it for you guys. But um, yes, that is Tommen Lannister or Tommen Baratheon um, playing Martin Lannister. Yeah.
1: yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: But yes, it's just this fun scene where it quote unquote fun where Talisa's is talking. Just you know. Indulging these kids about their superstitions and nothing of consequence happens.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Yep. So it's another one right in a row.
0: I I, I can't keep track of them all. I would keep a total. We are going to keep a track of the uh, rapes, though, or the um, pending rapes uh, when we get to it. Okay. So next we go to uh, the, the Beyond the Wall up north, and Mance and the Funky Bunch come across a spiral formation of. Horse corpses left behind by the whites or white walkers at the Fist of the Fourth First Men. Uh, there's no uh, human bodies, so um, they deduce that all the people who died were resurrected to be part of the white walker army as you know, corpse, uh, whatever soldiers. Mance tells uh, Tormund to scale the wall and attack Castle Black and also to take Jon with him because he knows their defenses. Um, And Mance says he'll send a signal when it's time to do the attack. And when Tormund asks what the signal will be, and he says, I'm going to light the biggest fire the North has ever
1: seen. Yeah, so we discussed that. We've seen this uh, pattern before. We saw the pattern in the first episode uh, in that first kind of cold opening.
0: Yeah. Or it wasn't it wasn't quite the same pattern, but yeah, it's 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 formations full of body parts.
1: Yeah, and the circular kind of uh, radiating was, outwards. Yeah,
0: it was a circular pattern or like a um I, I think this was the this was a spiral specifically, and the first one was almost like a um it was definitely a circle. I don't know if it was a spiral, who cares? But yeah, yeah. this is not the first time we've seen the White Walkers uh arrange corpses. For yeah. some reason, I hope it's explained, but knowing the show.
1: Well, we also see it later, the Children of the Forest, so it might be when the White Walkers are created, and kind of imprinted some weird thing on them, I don't know. So uh, uh, What, what do we see I, with the Children of the Forest? It's in one of the later episodes. Uh, it might have actually been in the episode where they turned the first uh, dude into a White Walker. Yeah, you're probably The pattern right shows up.
0: That. I don't remember, yeah. but keep going. Yeah. You were going to say something
1: yeah so uh, also during the scene um you know we see the uh, the war guy saw that there are all the dead bodies at this at the fist fight earlier and now all those bodies are gone which if you're paying close attention you probably know hey these are all these whatever however many men were killed 200 250 they're all whites now which is kind of crazy yeah so in this uh the the long-running thing of 20 good men. I I don't know. Is that like an in joke or something? That's, that's right. Is this
0: the first time we're hearing 20 good men?
1: I know. I know we've heard the phrase X number of good men, uh, multiple times before before.
0: this. I'm pretty sure. I I mean,
1: I can't, I don't remember. for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We don't, we don't know. And you know, we make the promise we're not going to go back and do the legwork to uh, research that for you guys. But this is, uh, you know, we're acknowledging it They're They are going to that. well. um, I think it's I just, just they uh, were into that Tom Cruise movie, and instead of A Few Good Men, they just think, you know, let's put a number oh to God. that. Let's put a yeah, number get, to that.
1: Sure, why not? And So why did—I wonder why the White Walkers just slaughter all the horses instead of recruiting them for—because we've seen undead horses, right? I don't, you know? But the we've, only,
0: would... we've only seen the uh, the uh, the others, or what? I guess the whites oh, yeah. ride the horses— the undead zombies—they don't give a fuck about. They're like hoof it, pound snow,
1: zombie. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you could think you could turn them into like undead zombie horse killers. Like just yeah. have the horse go around chopping. Right. Yeah. People.
0: I mean, have you ever yeah. seen? Have you ever fed a horse?
1: No. Oh okay. man,
0: it's terrifying. Like you give them the, like, hey, lay your. They tell you like, hey, you can feed the horse, but lay your hand flat because these big fucking teeth come out of nowhere and they just like yeah. clomp together like uh, you know. I don't know, some kind of like the worst, like imagine your hand getting caught in a car door, only your fingers could come off and an animal could eat them. That's what it's the, like feeding a horse.
1: The car door, the car made out of teeth. <laughs> the car door was made out of teeth, yes. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Yeah. It makes sense. It, uh, it's perfect. So uh, the other thing that's um, interesting is they mentioned that there's no gate on the other side of, or no no wall on the other side of uh, of Night's Watch. Right. Well, we actually know that there is a gate. <laughs> we see the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's like a big deal. But, uh, uh, but what, I guess they wouldn't have had a fight if there was no gate. And once again, have... it's it's them
0: choosing to divert from the books and then including the things from the books uh, and not being able to like keep track of all the uh, weird diversions because the whole point is the Night's Watch uh, can't defend itself from the South because they are servants to the people uh, down south. They are not supposed to be over and above them or guard themselves against um, attack from them
1: yes absolutely so next we see the uh, survivors of the fist fight heading back to Craster's creep and it looks like there's probably 30 40 type survivors um, we see uh, Sam see Ghost who Ghost scampers off for reasons that are unexplained Craster initially seems reluctant to allow them into his creep but uh, does eventually probably because he realizes he's outnumbered significantly uh, everyone is eating in Craster's creep, where Craster begins to talk shit about being a godly man, which even Mormont, who has specifically gone out of his way not to upset Craster, was like, what, you're a godly man? Uh, so then Craster discusses how he's godly with respect to the things that are, are lurking out in the woods, uh, right. apparently, uh, as to White Walkers, those are his gods. Right. Um. So then we uh, – throughout this entire scene, we hear – Uh, of somebody screaming in pain. Craster makes uh, some fat jokes about Sam and some cannibal jokes. Uh, It's uh, that upsets Sam, and he gets up and leaves and goes out to, I guess, the birthing hut? I don't know what that is exactly. Uh, But he peeks in and sees Gilly giving birth, and bad news, it's a boy, because we get to see a baby dick in this episode. Yeah,
0: we had a baby, it's a boy.
1: Yeah, so...
0: (laughs) All right, a couple things. So, uh, I kind of liked... Uh, how much the Night's Watch guys were really not up for Craster's shit. Like, yeah. I, I loved it. Like, it's like, we have a friend who doesn't know how to read a room Uh, and <laughs> it felt like that where Craster's making these jokes about Sam and no one's laughing. He's laughing to himself. The rest of the room has... It's like when you have a really shitty day and somebody who kind of like mildly annoys you, uh, but you put up with it uh, on a normal day, no problem. When they they start to pull this shit and you're like, I'm in no mood. That's what I felt like the, all the night's watch guys were doing, you know, they just saw, you know, I presumably saw the 250 dudes get slaughtered, their friends, and they had to walk back uh, in the snow. They're not up for this kind of back talk. You know, one guy reaches for his sword, I guess when he, Craster is initially hesitant about letting them. Yeah.
1: And and they've, they, I'm sure like all of them, especially Mormont has been dealing with this, daughter fucking maniac for years um i mean that 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 kind of relationship can snap so quickly just because it's so pent up over all the years and the guy's just such a fucking piece of shit he, he's one of the worst characters in the show in he's terms of good stable. and bad morality yeah exactly
0: but he is a godly man yeah exactly well, i think i think that's probably intentional too like somebody who like you know uh it just seems hypocritical on the face. You know, somebody who proclaims to be such an uh, innocent person is actually uh, the worst. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's probably intentional. Um, yeah, I guess nothing, not much to say besides, yeah, uh, you know, we get Gilly and we get Little Sam being born, uh, which we don't understand the significance of now. And we still don't understand the significance of uh, oh. in season six because the book made the choice to switch baby sam with mance's child um and mance's child is a king or you know the son of a king with king's blood um so there's importance to uh gilly's son in the books in the show not so much besides uh, i guess motivating sam to be a better person or a dad <laughs> yeah. i don't know
1: that's that's thin soup though <laughs> that oh thin. yeah it's real thin yeah so what's next, Doug?
0: Okay, so uh, then uh, we're back in. We don't know it yet, but it's the Dreadfort, and Theon is unmasked and taken down from his diagonal cross by the janitor, who promised to help him in last episode. Uh, the janitor helps him to get outside and onto a horse, and tells him to ride, you know, east or something along the river, uh, and sends him on his way. That's about it.
1: Yeah, uh, he's next level crazy, uh, Ramsey Bolton. Yep, but, uh, I, you know, I never, this whole Ramsey torturing Theon thing, I mean, I think a lot of this was in the book, but I, I this no, is another thing where I, it wasn't?
0: No, uh, we just didn't hear from Theon for a long time, and then we came back to him, uh, and he was broken. Uh, and oh, okay. it was alluded to in, like, um, you know, passing comments, but yeah, he just disappeared from the books for, like, uh, and it, I think all of Storm of Swords. Um so we didn't we, the the torturing happened to him but we didn't hear about it. We heard about him torturing other people um and going on these dog basically his one of his things to do is he'd have these women uh held captive and he'd let them escape and then track them down with his dogs and if uh the woman gave him good chase before the dogs ultimately ran her down and ate the the woman he would name one of the dogs after the girl that he chased down and murdered with uh, his dogs. We'd hear stories like that, but we never saw Theon involved in shit like this. We just, Theon was gone, and then Theon was brought back, and he's missing all sorts of teeth. His hair is gray. He's missing fingers. Um, He's just a shell of his former self. But here on the show, because it's a great decision, we get to see him slowly tortured over the next two and a half seasons. Can't wait.
1: Yeah. Terrible. Terrible decisions, I think. Uh, I don't know why they felt the need to. I feel like they liked
0: uh, Alfie Allen. I really think they liked the actor, yeah. and they're like, hey, we've got a reason. And maybe they. And, I mean, the guy who plays Ramsey Bolton is cartoonish. I mean, he is evil Elijah Wood. Um, and I think he's charismatic, but it,
1: it's it's rough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only the beginning. This is only the, the yeah, beginning of it. This is the beginning of it. So, yeah. And it also just seems like a lot of runaround. I don't know. I mean,. Just cut his dick off and just get to it, you know, Um, because there's a lot of these torture scenes and confusing scenes. And uh, the only message to be conveyed throughout all of them is Ramsey sucks. Yeah. And they're
0: still making that point. um, I don't know. Eight episodes into season six.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. So next we see uh, Stannis and Mel. They're on a beach. Uh, She is going on a secret mission. Won't tell him. I don't know why she won't tell him. Stannis is upset, gets a little grabby. He wants to uh, pump out a bunch of fetus assassins to kill the other kings. Uh, and also, uh, and it's clear he just wants to hit it really badly. Um, yeah. She says that they can't continue to make these fetus assassins because it will kill him. Uh, discussed, uh, we discussed this a while ago, how his, his fires are burned low, which I guess maybe has low testosterone. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think this could have been <laughs> a commercial
1: for ED would have kicked off right there. Yeah, yeah exactly. I've got low T. Um, so... Then she has another idea... Apparently she has another idea to utilize other people's power. Uh, mentions a bunch of sacrificing of others who have his blood coursing through their veins.
0: Right, which is which, essentially tipping her hat to where she's going.
1: Yeah, if, I think you're, if you were paying attention, you're a smart watcher, you would have picked up that it's Gendry. Because I, why else would Gendry be in the mix? And we also know that he is part Baratheon. I know I didn't pick up on it, but I, I'm, I'm sure people smarter than me did. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, not much to this either. Um, nope. Stannis just seemed like a creep. I, I mean, I, I, this was a, one of the weak moments of, of Stannis in the show. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what yeah, to say about I, the scene. I
0: agree. It was another inconsequential scene, but uh, it didn't have the lightheartedness or uh, the comedic tone uh, that the other scenes have had. Right. Um, so it just seems like a waste. Yeah, I will say this is the low point of the um, uh, the episode. But yeah, I guess you would think that she's going to look for Gendry, but like, how the fuck does she know where Gendry's at? Unless she's in cahoots with Thoris of Myr, because he's a red priest, but once again, I complain that they didn't illustrate that he's a red priest at all, because um, they haven't mentioned lore or anything in, re- in regards to the Doctors Without Borders. Uh, plus, it doesn't happen in the book, so I don't, you know... I, I don't see how you could have seen this coming. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just the, the inclusion of the, the, that she's going, there's others with uh, with Stannis' blood. So, I mean, who else does have Stannis' blood or Baratheon blood? Well, only one that we know of at this point.
0: Right, but actually, um, the Baratheons are intermingled with the Targaryens, and uh, that's why Robert Baratheon was able to take the throne because he had a little bit of, Take her blood in him. Anyway, uh, not going to delve into that. So next we go to... Um, where are we? Astapor, I guess, with Danny? Uh, and yes. she's strolling down something called the Walk of Punishment, uh, which is basically a, a walkway full of crucified slaves that have been sentenced to death. Um, so I guess this is like a life-changing moment for Danny. Uh, she tries to give one of them water, and he refuses. Um. Jorah says that uh, in every war, the innocents must die by the thousands and says that the Unsullies will at least not rape uh, and pillage and murder innocents like normal soldiers would, because, you know, normal soldiers do that, I guess. And uh, Danny asks about what her brother would do, Rhaegar, and Barrison tells her that, you know, he was the bee's knees or cat's pajamas, as you would say. And uh that basically he wouldn't do such a thing. Uh and Jorah counters that uh, Rhaegar was honorable, but Rhaegar uh died uh and was killed. Later, Danny is meeting with the slave masters. Danny informs him that she wants all the unsullied, uh, including the boys still in training. Uh we get the whole translator cleaning up the language uh used by the master bit that we've seen before. Uh but basically he doesn't think that she can pay for he can she can pay for all these unsullied, uh, but she offers him a dragon. Uh, Barristan and Jorah violently object, uh, but Danny is rather firm, and eventually, with some wiggling, she gets it. Uh, signs the deal. She's going to get all the unsullied in the town, uh, and she also asks for the interpreter. Uh, basically, she's asking for the interpreter. So, uh, on the way back, she talks to the interpreter and gets her unbiased opinion about the unsullied and the masters and all that. Uh, and basically that's it.
1: Yeah. I like how, uh, how Jorah's selling point on this was, well, the slaves, they, the, there might be slaves, but at least they won't rape. I mean, <laughs> 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 that, that's like the best you can do. Uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. And then at the yeah. end of that, that like part of the scene, where Danny's oh snap, and you know, like I'm the last. There's, uh, there's still dragons alive, or whatever the hell. Um, yeah, more that kind of like Danny empowerment. I, I'm important because of who I was born to. Yeah. kind of shit, but like you know, and I'm just gonna say it. These slavers are bad dudes. I don't like them. That's a strong,
0: strong opinion <laughs> yeah. to have. Uh, yeah, I, you're right. Uh, the Jorah point almost seems like he has a point. Uh, that like you know. These are obedient. They're not people, which, once again, that's that suspect there. Uh, yeah. But they won't, uh, you know, they won't go on rampages and you know just just get into like uh, bloodlust and rape and murder innocent people. Uh, they'll just do what they're told. Uh, he's got a point there, but the bigger point is, you know, he says in every war, innocents die by the thousands. Now you would think. That should be the stop right there. Going, oh well, maybe we don't have to go to war at all. But nope, <laughs> the uh, it's never even considered that they wouldn't uh, go to war to take back the Seven Kingdoms. Uh,
1: yeah, and why 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 wouldn't Dany just be able to say to her troops, "You're not allowed to rape." I, I mean, I, I, is is that a tectonic of a shift that that she can't possibly do that as the? Queen? I guess it's in like I I, I don't know like.
0: It, uh, uh so we once again we don't have historical context enough or I'm not a um you know I'm not a historian this isn't real life or real history here but uh it is not uncommon for soldiers to consider part of their pay being uh stealing whatever they want looting stealing what they want and raping uh the women i mean this happened uh I don't know i i it's happened at least documented uh, most recently in um, World War II with the rape of Nam King Uh, Japanese soldiers were murdering babies people left and right and raping women uh, in the streets Uh, it was well documented Uh, and I'm sure you know even our soldiers have done that to a certain extent Um, but you're right I think she could you know make have some severe punishments Instantiated, But she just doesn't have any men, period. So she has no army. Yeah, She is kind of fucked. So she needs a big army very quickly for some reason.
1: Yeah. So I don't understand why the dragons weren't in the mix from the first place. I, I didn't understand whether the uh, slave guy knew that she had these dragons. And if he didn't know that she had the dragons, which I think is what the show tries to convey – then why did he even believe that she had dragons in the first goddamn place? Like he got yeah, so excited. Yeah, why would he even was, believe him? Her. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, and so and if but if he did know, then why wasn't that the his initial negotiation? I don't right. know. It seems kind of silly. And then he's such this great negotiator, businessman, or tough slave guy, and he wants all three, and then is just immediately. Okay, I'll take one. That's fine. <laughs> Two. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah, and then also also to give up Miss Sandy where it's like a token of a bargain well-struck. I That phrase, for whatever reason, just annoyed the living shit out of me because you just made this deal, and then all of a sudden she says, okay, but then also give me this extra slave on top of it. Um, I don't know. Something about that bothered me, but it, it's probably just me being a maniac. So I guess we don't haggle
0: in this country. It's weird. Yeah.
1: So and But then the last thing I wanted to say about the scene was when Jorah came in to protest her offering a dragon, his creepy... Khaleesi, please. <laughs> that seems really weird. Uh, uh, I don't know. I thought that, that he he kinda gave off a creep vibe a little too familiar, but um I don't know. Jorah's cool. Jor <laughs> yeah, Jorah's cool. Yeah, uh, Jorge's cool. Uh yeah, I I agree with you. Um
0: yeah, I Khaleesi, please. <laughs> She's just hanging around with these old dudes that, you know <laughs> Barrison hasn't made a move yet, but you know he's looking at her side uh, eye. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. He's like, you
0: will make me young again.
1: <laughs> God damn, that's sick. Yeah. All right.
0: Okay, so. Uh, Next, we
1: go to Littlefinger's Whorehouse, and apparently the royal books are, are being kept there. Uh, we see the transition team to help uh, Tyrion take over as the master of coin, consisting of Pod, uh, Bron uh, and Raz, of course. Uh, Roz is assisting while Pod gets an eyeful of her cleavage. She's uh, enjoying her time uh, showing off the goods. Uh, there's a uh, t- The transition team exits, and Littlefinger and Tyrion kind of discuss how Tyrion owes Pod, and then Littlefinger brings up how Cersei took Roz captive, and somehow Tyrion was able to get around it, and Littlefinger thanks Tyrion for it, but it asks Tyrion what happened, and Tyrion is not entirely sure. I think we discussed the necklace kind of tied the thing together, but yeah, uh, not clear at all. Tyrion asks for advice as to how to be the Master of Coin. Littlefinger makes a short joke and then basically says you just have to cook the books. Um, So there's then a little walk and talk between Bronn, who does not think reading is fundamental, which is disappointing. Uh, Tyrion then takes Pod to have intercourse with several experienced sex workers. And uh, and the scene kind of ends with, brace yourself, lad, vagina's coming. Uh, (laughs) I I condensed it down quite a bit, but... um, Yeah, I mean, there's not much to, to say here. Yeah, Exactly. So next we go to uh, Tyrion examining the ledgers. He has discovered that Littlefinger has apparently been Enroning uh, King's Landing for quite some time. And specifically borrowing money from uh, both the Lannisters as well as the Iron Bank. Which, uh, we'll get to this in a second, I'm not entirely sure how this works. So the crown owes millions to Littlefinger and tens of millions to the Iron Bank. Um, There are some they just kind of some inconsequential back and forth between Tyrion and Bronn about how lending works. Um, not sure what and then in terms of the actual loans themselves. Tyrion doesn't really explain what the consequences of being in arrears to the Lannisters are, but he does say that the Iron Bank will fund armies to come and take back money from uh, from the from the Lannisters if they do not pay, or at least the kingdom. Pod returns after getting his dick wet. And apparently, uh, he's so good at sex that the prostitutes turn down his money. And Braun and Tyrion are very intrigued and interrogate him in a really cool bro moment. Yeah,
0: I mean, is there anything cooler than like having sex with whores and or prostitute sex workers, and them saying, "Nah, keep it. You must be, you must be good as shit." Yeah, uh, this is dumb, over long. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess. Parts of it were amusing, but it just went on forever. Um, I will say the Iron Bank thing is interesting. Uh, and this is exactly what you said about the Iron Bank will fund armies to take you down. This is exactly what they're doing in the book right now with Stannis. Uh, right. you know, In the show, Stannis is quote-unquote dead and gone, uh, but the, um, the Iron Bank has funded the Stannis campaign because the Lannisters are defaulting on their loans. So I feel like it's more consequential. Uh, maybe it'll come back in the show. I don't know. I don't know how I win.
1: Yeah, and that also seems like a terrible uh, strategy in recovering your money because if you have to send pay another army to go after yeah, that, yeah, you're person, sending good money after bad, right? Exactly. Yeah. Why? Why? Why wouldn't the money already be gone? Well, I mean, it's not like they're pocketing it. Yeah. And then, so now that the Lannisters have the throne, I don't understand how the throne could owe itself money. I mean, I guess the finances of the two. Theoretically, should be kept separate, but well, I don't know how that actually trust. would be. A you know, when
0: you get into power, you you hold things in a blind trust, and like I'm not going to cook the books so that I make money off of this deal. Yeah, that's preposterous. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it is confusing. Like you know, the crown owes money, and Lannisters owe money to the crown. So do Lannisters owe money to uh, the Iron Bank. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's all it's all sticky. It's just it's just letting you know that you know it's just more lies and deception. I think that's the right. big picture thing here. Uh, yeah, and the big picture thing is Pod's got a huge dick.
1: And why isn't uh, Littlefinger in more trouble if this is the way he's been operating this thing? I mean, he's, he's just p-
0: like, hey, this is what I did. No big deal, you know. Yeah, you, you I just keep it. borrowing
1: money from people. Who will send armies after me. No longer my problem. Yeah, uh, so, your problem, uh, yeah, sucker. That aspect seems strange, and the whole Pod thing. Um, with him being so awesome at sex, it was amusing. But I was really kind of angry we didn't find out what the heck he did.
0: Well, and that's other the, than
1: have, just having a monster dong,
0: because uh, HBO and these showrunners, uh, they have some decorum, Moody. Okay, yeah, They're not gonna just rub a vagina in your face like uh, <laughs> they just did with Pod. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's dumb. Um, once again, this is this is DV Weiss and uh, the other douche uh, broing out, um, and this is what they yeah. think is really cool. Wouldn't it be awesome if Pod was
1: awesome at sex, and then he didn't even have to pay prostitutes?
0: Oh man, I'd want to hear about every juicy detail. Oh god,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty silly, disgusting. All right,
0: so uh, let's go um, back up north, and Theon is racing along on his white horse, uh, and takes a break to look around and, and smell the roses, or figure out where he's going to go next. And uh, Arrow passes by his head. He's being pursued by men on horseback, uh, and there's a little bit of a uh, action chase scene here. Uh, eventually, he is hit by a ball and chain. Uh, one of the riders has a, I don't know, it's not a mace. I don't know what it's called. But anyway, he gets dehorsed, and the men proceed to kick the shit out of him. And then, get your rape count going. Uh, they threaten to rape him. They start pulling down his pants. Uh, and each one of them are then dispatched by an arrow by the janitor. So the janitor has come back and is killing all of these men. Um, and just before one of them dies, Uh, He calls the janitor a little bastard, which is a cute hint as to the janitor's identity. Um, Then the janitor helps Theon up uh, to his feet, dropping the Stark's words uh, that Winter is coming. 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 Another cute wink at the audience as to the janitor knows who Theon is.
1: Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Seems inconsequential. yeah, and who's this creep that's going to go in dry on Theon? I, what <laughs> go in dry? I mean, he,
0: you
1: uh, know, yeah, we,
0: uh, he, we don't, we're not taking that. You know, I don't want to get into it, but uh, yeah, okay,
1: yeah, but then who are these Ramsey's soldiers? Yeah, so he's just killing his own soldiers in the name of screwing with They're playthings.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I guess that does portray him as even more of a maniac, but. Um, it still seems odd. Um, so especially in the like the the framework of, you know, for these people to be loyal to him. Oh, well, I guess he's operating his kingdom out of fear instead out of instead of out of loyalty. I guess. You know what I mean? Cause, because why would anyone be a soldier for him if there's a possibility of him hunting that person down all in the name of just playing stupid mind games? With uh, the there's prison?
0: no one to report it. So there's probably just rumors and it's all unfounded. You know, yeah, it's a I guess that makes sense. But,
1: yeah, But yeah, it's, okay. it's a little crazy. Yeah. So next we go to Locke's camp, and Locke's men are dragging Brian off to rape her, number two. Uh, thankfully, Jamie steps in and tells Locke that Brienne's father is loaded. Every sapphire in Westeros is from Tarth. Um, so he, Jamie says that there's probably a big ransom for her, particularly if she is unraped. Uh, Locke calls off the rape, uh, so then Jamie Thinks he has Locke in his uh, kind of in his back pocket. Starts to tell Locke about his book learning and his fancy words. Uh, Jamie attempts to pay Locke to release him. Offers to make Locke and his children, and his children's children, and so on and so forth, rich men, and that the North has no chance at winning the battle. So Jamie thinks he's got Locke on his side, requests to be unchained, which Locke does, and kind of mockingly takes him to a stump where he initially is offering, a, uh, I think, a chicken, chicken dinner. Yeah, on a table. But, uh, yeah, so, but eventually Locke uh, talks a bunch of shit and then chops off Jamie's hand. Um, and then the bear and the maiden fair, as covered by the hold steady, begins to play.
0: Yeah, so... Uh... You know, a great scene in the book, and I think it's done well here, too. Um, You got Jamie. uh, First of all, once again, the Doug rant, the most pervasive Doug rant is Jamie's uh, redemption arc, which is ignored in the show. But this is the first example of Jamie being punished for doing a good deed. And uh, this is a lesson learned by Jamie. He gets punished a lot for doing good deeds going forward because... Basically, you do good deeds not to get rewarded, as some people do, but you do them because they're good, um, regardless of what the outcome is. And I feel like, uh, once again, this is undermined by Jamie backsliding into being a piece of shit later. Uh, we get the cool, unbesmirched uh, word. Um, let's see, we get um, we get a callback to uh, Tywin forcing Jamie to read a book, which is... Something they mentioned um, when Tywin was talking to Arya. Remember that? Right. Absolutely. So that's kind of cool that they're trying to bring it together. Um, Yeah, and I really like the fact that Jamie, you know, thinks he's he's king shit of fuck Mountain here, and these guys are just going along with it. uh, And then they, you know, show him who's boss, I guess. And I did like the cover of the bear and the maiden fair by the hold steady. Uh, All of it shows like uh, a certain air of irreverence in a fun way, taking the material and being fun with it, which I think is the theme of the entire episode. But you're right. And that's what I did like coming into the show. But uh, you're absolutely right. Nothing of real consequence happens except for Jamie getting his arm cut off or hand cut off uh, in this final scene.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that Jamie's hand being cut off was a product of him helping Brienne, I think it's that uh, this guy Locke is just so fed up with him just trying to buy him off. uh, Yeah, but he started going
0: down this road like it's, it's, he wouldn't have done, like if he would have just kept his mouth shut, this wouldn't have happened, presumably.
1: I think that it wouldn't have happened if he would have just kept his mouth shut after freeing Brienne, but I think Jamie thought that he was beginning to be, be able to manipulate Locke. And then once he started throwing away around my daddy's money again, that's what set the guy off because that's what pissed him off
0: You're in probably the uh, right. initial
1: scene. Yeah, right. I, I don't think it was, had anything to do with Breanne. I just think it was um, – I mean, shit. This guy – but also Locke. Uh, what, that's the question, one of the questions I had was who put this fucking maniac in charge? I mean it's clear throughout the show that he's kind Ramsey. of uh, – I guess. Is he, oh, yeah, I guess he's a Bolton man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah would he's make definitely sense. a Bolton yeah. man,
0: so uh, it's yeah. either Ramsey or Roos, and Roos is off playing war, so more than like, it's Ramsey. Crazies leading crazies. Right? Yeah, so. But yeah, there was lots of controversy among the uh, the nerd alliance about <laughs> whether they should have thrown a rock song uh, or a rock cover of The Bear and the Maiden Fair at the end of the episode. I remember watching it the first time and enjoying the shit out of it. Um,
1: yeah, it's a good juxtaposition. Right. We have this super crazy thing that happened, uh, drastic consequences to one of the, the main characters in the show. And it should have been like, you would think it'd be like a, a silence afterward to let right. it kind of sink in. Instead, it just launches into a uh, modern song, you know, yeah, or at least a modern it, version of the song. It seemed
0: like a big fuck you to the audience, kind of. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And I kind of liked it. It seemed like a punk rock thing to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I really liked the way they did this. Uh, So we shit on D&D a lot, um, and for good reason. Uh, They are probably uh, monsters in real life, just terrible human beings. (laughs) I'll go on record saying it.
1: I I will not join you in that,
0: friend. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just in case uh, we meet them one day. But um, uh, yeah, uh, they did a good job, uh, at least in this one thing. You're taking some chances here. Um, So I'll tip my hat to them.
1: Uh, actually, and one other thing I wanted to ask you about um, the, from earlier in the episode, we heard that phrase "the mirror knot," and I, I believe that's, that that uh, phrase has a significance in the writing of the books. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, the mirror knot is what
0: um, George Martin referred to casually about getting uh, Danny out of Marine. So, like he was uh, in in the books, we're currently still in Marine uh with Danny she's been there for an entire dance with dragons and presumably um feast for crows because Danny wasn't in that book at all um i think i don't remember who cares fuck you uh but essentially he described trying to get Danny out of marine uh as being the Myronese knot
1: yes in a way how is he going to tie together all these timelines or yeah how so is he going to how is he going to yeah.
0: liberate her and get her back into uh, so once again uh the show the the story is expanding and then it's got to collapse it's got to come back in on itself this is what harry potter did too um you know it's got to start coming back to uh you know danny's got to come to westeros basically right uh, yeah. where where it all began or like you know it's got to come down to a, a finite moment um or conflict so uh that's what it's referred to in reference to i like how it's a sexual act here i guess yeah. it's like a little yeah. wink to the audience
1: Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting detail. To, interesting. Uh, a fun nod to the uh, book reading, or at least not even the book reading. The people who follow it so closely that they know what George Martin refers to as uh, plot difficulties as. So. Which
0: I did, which is sad. Yep. I should just read the books and yes. not do the show or watch the TV show at all. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so let's do it. Let's uh, rate this thing up. I'll let you go first.
1: Uh I'm just running out of food rating systems. I mean there's a lot of food out there but I'm just r- running out of it. How about an oatmeal cream pie? That sounds pretty
0: good. Um yeah, that's pretty decent. I mean, you know, depend if you're a child that's great. Uh, if you're an adult, you know, you're like, oh, okay, well I guess I got to eat this. Um I'm going to interpret that as like a 2.5 to 3.
1: No. Oh, okay. One point five to two.
0: Jesus. Are
1: oh. you yeah, really don't I, like I, them that much? Oatmeal cream pies. Uh, I did used to like them, but as an adult, I uh, just I don't I can't even imagine eating one. Um, <laughs> it was you know it was just it was low on action, low on <laughs> plot developments, uh, and uh, and the scenes themselves were kind of fun and interesting, but uh, I I just get kind of frustrated when there's that much wheel spinning in an episode, and a lot of it wasn't tied to the books. And also it was a little bit high on the creepy violence. So you balanced the the two scales, action and plot development versus creepy violence. Uh, This one kind of wasn't on the scale, on the spectrum of Game of Thrones episodes. This was lower on the spectrum for me. Let's put it that way.
0: Okay. Well, I came in high on my own farts, but I still think it was uh, a very flawed episode. So I'm going to give it a three. Um, Or let's say, um, like, I don't know, a whole thing of uh, Jolly Ranchers, you know, the taste's pretty good, but then you bite into it and your teeth just get stuck. Oh god, yeah. You know what I mean? Can't uh, even imagine that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really, but I, I really want to say that this is DB Weiss and whatever the other d, d- douchebag name is um, <clears throat> at their best for what they are, uh, which is going to be sexual violence. That's that's <laughs> their legacy. Unfortunately, I, I don't see how you can say anything else. Their thing is sexual violence period it's it's you can't it's you can't even argue with that but at the same time they at least went loose with it and they had some fun with some scenes and uh i really liked you know uh they they obviously were in charge of the musical choice there at the end and how to end the episode uh and it showed them kind of uh loosening up now they're monsters now they're out of control uh yeah <laughs> you know it gets what I mean? much worse yes um, so they must have been like, yeah, we can do whatever we want with the show. It's great. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll end it there. Uh, so I gave it a three. Brian gave it a one and a half for, to one. Uh,
1: you know what? I, I'll just say it's a, it's a two. It's a two for okay. me. Okay. That's not bad. So, so, it's a two. Okay.
0: So, uh, you know, that's, that's an average episode, I guess. And remember, we're three episodes in, and we haven't been liking these episodes. Remember how we yeah. were talking about uh, season three going, oh, man, I can't wait to get to season three. It's going to be great.
1: <laughs> why no, you i like the last i like the last one that um, yeah, wasn't this, bad yeah so all right i think we see some action soon though okay yeah it'll probably get
0: better all right guys thank you so much for listening uh as always uh rate and review the show on itunes we'll try to get it on stitcher or one of the other uh dumb podcast uh things uh but no promises and please listen to our sister show the shameful dead uh, And we'll be doing the mid-season finale um, probably while you're listening to this. So go ahead and download that too. All right, Brian, anything else to add? No, that's it. Thank you for listening, everyone. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Bye.